0: This is African News Tonight on The Voice of America.
1: Hello and welcome. Welcome to African News Tonight from the English to Africa service of The Voice of America, your source for pan-African news and world developments. I'm Yehyes Wahib in Washington. And coming up on African News Tonight...
2: Our continent was pillaged and ravaged and exploited by other continents. And we we therefore want to build this solidarity in BRICS to advance the interests, of course, initially of our own country, but also of the continent as a whole.
1: That's South Africa's President Cyril Ramaphosa talking about his plans for the BRICS economic grouping. Details coming up. Also, China's new foreign minister arrives on the continent. There are concerns about pre-election violence in Zimbabwe, and Uganda nears the end of its Ebola outbreak. We'll have these stories and more on African News tonight. But first, our top story. China's new foreign minister, Qin Gang, has arrived in Ethiopia on his first visit to Africa, which also includes stops in Gabon, Angola, Benin, and Egypt. Maya Secure reports from the Ethiopian capital, Addis Ababa.
3: Ethiopia Foreign Minister and Deputy Prime Minister Demek Amakonen on Tuesday morning welcomed his Chinese counterpart on the first stop in his five-nation tour of Africa. Chinese Foreign Minister Qin Gang is on his first trip to Africa since being appointed to the job in December after serving since 2021 as ambassador to the United States. After meeting Ethiopian leaders, Qin will visit the African Union headquarters and the China-built Africa Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, both headquartered in Addis Ababa. The $80 million African CDC was originally envisioned as a U.S.-China-Africa partnership, but that plan collapsed under the former Trump administration and became a China-African Union project. The United States sees China as a strategic competitor in Africa. Critics say Beijing uses palace diplomacy, lavishing African rulers with benefits and projects while ignoring human rights issues in exchange for access to natural resources and political support. China maintains its investments and projects in Africa are helping to develop the continent's economies to the benefit of all Africans. China's foreign ministry says Qin's week-long tour of Africa aims to deepen the China-Africa partnership and boost cooperation. China is Africa's largest single-nation trading partner and says bilateral trade reached a record $254 billion in 2021, four times that of U.S.-Africa trade. Chin Gang's visit marks the 33rd consecutive year that a Chinese foreign minister makes his first overseas travel a trip to Africa. After Ethiopia, Qin is scheduled to visit Gabon, Angola, Benin and Egypt, where he will also visit the Arab League headquarters in Cairo. Maya Misiko for VOA News, Addis Ababa, Ethiopia.
1: A World Bank report predicts that inflation and other factors will slow growth in the developing world to less than 2% and to just over 1% for Africa. The yearly Global Economic Prospects report says that that could mean a rise in poverty rates for Africa, which accounts for about 60% of the world's extreme poor. In cities, heavy debt burdens and weak investment as global capital is absorbed by advanced economies faced with high government debt and rising interest rates. World Bank Group President David Malpass says the weakness in growth and investment will compound the already devastating reversals in education, health, poverty and infrastructure and the increasing demands from climate change. The World Bank also says 37 states with populations of 1.5 million or less people are struggling to revive their tourism sectors hit by a COVID-19 recession. It says in 2020, their economic output fell by more than 11 percent, seven times higher than emerging or developing economies. The bank says small states can improve long-term growth by bolstering resistance to climate change, diversifying their economies, and improving government efficiency. It also calls for global support for climate change adaptation and help restoring debt sustainability. South African President Cyril Ramaphosa says he will use his chairmanship of the BRICS group of leading emerging economies to focus on advancing African interests. The bloc, Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa is seen as an alternative to dominant Western economies. Kate Bartlett speaks to analysts on what form economically and politically that might take in this report from Johannesburg, South Africa.
4: South Africa has just taken over the BRICS chairmanship from China and will host the group's annual summit this year, with South African President Cyril Ramaphosa promising more African countries will be invited to attend.
2: We want to use this opportunity to advance the interests of our continent, and we will therefore through the BRICS Summit be having an outreach uh, process or moment where we will invite other African countries to come and be part of the BRICS, because we do want BRICS in whatever BRICS does, to focus on helping to develop our continent. Our continent was pillaged and ravaged and exploited by other continents, and uh, we, we therefore want to build this solidarity in BRICS to advance the interests, of course, initially of our own country, but also of the continent as a whole.
4: Asked what form advocating for Africa might take, Mikata Kubai, a researcher at the Pretoria-based research organization, the Institute for Global Dialogue, told VOA it would likely be focused on helping African countries gain greater access to the global economy. He said BRICS is all about allowing the voices of the marginalized to actually be heard and said Africa wants to better the living standards of its people and create employment.
0: The collective size of the BRICS economy, technological capability, market size and other qualities that make BRICS a solid development partner for Africa is what South Africa will look to harness with BRICS partners. I think that is what the president um, was referring to.
4: Elizabeth Sideropoulos of the South African Institute of International Affairs said that trade would be a priority and there would be a focus on unlocking the potential of the recently formed African continental free trade area. She noted that China, the world's second largest economy, is the continent's single largest trade partner. She said the summit is also about getting investment from external partners and sparking intracontinental trade. South Africa would want to uh, to advocate in, in the discussions uh,
2: on these issues uh, with its other BRIC partners, BRICS partners, in terms of how we, we use the, uh, the creation of, of a continental free trade area, uh, not only to trade more with uh, the external world as, but primarily, which is what this initiative is, is really about, uh, to trade uh, to create goods in the continent, that we can trade within the
4: continent. Sideropolis said aside from trying to advance the economies of developing countries, BRICS is also about reforming the current multilateral system, which does not necessarily advance the interests of the global south. At the last BRICS summit, hosted virtually by Beijing, Ramaphosa took aim at the West, saying that during the COVID-19 pandemic, rich nations did not adhere to the principles of solidarity and cooperation when it comes to equitable access to vaccines. As well as an economic force, BRICS, which includes three democracies, but also communist China and authoritarian Russia, is increasingly a political force that positions itself as an alternative to the US-led liberal world order. Only Brazil voted against Russia's invasion of Ukraine at the United Nations last year, while other members abstained. South Africa, as the continent's foremost democracy, was widely criticized for taking a neutral stance on the conflict. And it looks like BRICS may soon expand. Saudi Arabia is reportedly interested in joining the bloc, as are Iran, Algeria, and Argentina. Kate Bartlett for VOA News, Johannesburg.
1: Rights groups say a brutal attack on Zimbabwe's opposition supporters was clearly intended to harass and intimidate ahead of elections expected later this year. Amnesty International called on Zimbabwe to fully investigate a video showing ruling party youth beating and kicking older supporters of the Citizens Coalition for Change. Columbus Mavunga reports from Harare, Zimbabwe.
2: That's
0: a video of some elderly members of Zimbabwe's main opposition party, the Citizens Coalition for Change, being assaulted over the weekend in Murewa, about 100 kilometers east of Harare. The video has gone viral on social media. Mahere, spokeswoman for the Citizens Coalition for Change or Triple C, accuses the ruling Zanu party of masterminding the violence and the Zimbabwe Electoral Commission and. The police are failing to stop it.
2: This political violence does not bode well for a free and fair election. In fact, political violence of this nature is criminal Other than that. We call on ZANU PF to stop inciting violence. We saw the deputy leader of ZANU PF saying the Triple C must be crushed like lies. PF rally saying that Nelson Chamisa should be killed and Triple C should be killed. So it's that conduct that leads to these terror gangs doing what they do.
0: Chamisa, a former parliament member and cabinet minister, Is the 44 year old leader of the Triple C. In response to an interview request, Tafazwa Mugwadi, director of information for ZANPF, sent VOA an audio clip disputing it was his party which caused the violence which injured seven people from the opposition. On its part, ZANPF does not tolerate any form of violence or this barbaric conduct whatsoever. President Mnangako has clearly and unequivocally set the record clear on peaceful mobilization and violence-free elections. Whoever commit acts of violence in the name of the part shall carry his or her own cross and account. Let the police do what they know best, investigation after the video circulated zimbabwe police released a statement saying they are investigating the incident a rights group amnesty international says it wants zimbabwean authorities to urgently launch a thorough independent and impartial investigation into the assaults and bring the perpetrators to justice amnesty spokesman in southern africa Robert Shimamgo said the attacks will intimidate members of political opposition ahead of Zimbabwe's elections and could have a chilling effect throughout the country.
5: These callous, politically motivated attack against older peasants who had simply attended a gathering for a political opposition is outrageous. Such cruel acts of violence, which have repeatedly marred Zimbabwe's political landscape in the past, ...gravely threaten the right to freedom of expression, association and peaceful assembly. The Zimbabwean authorities must take all necessary steps to prevent acts of politically motivated violence... ...and refrain from using inflammatory statements that could incite similar attacks... ...or deter people from uh, expressing support to political parties of their choice.
0: Several of Zimbabwe's elections have been marred by violence, most of which targeted the opposition... That is why the Zimbabwe Peace Project has set up apps for citizens to report cases of violence or intimidation ahead of the 2023 general election. Tanduelen Mahaja, the program's coordinator, talks about the organization's Reject, Resist, and Report Violence app.
2: Gives citizens the ability to report human rights violations from across Zimbabwe to report those violations and to name and tell us what is happening in in their communities,
0: urge citizens to use the SPEC application to report violence, particularly as we're coming up to the elections this year in 2023. The Zimbabwe Peace Project hopes the app will reduce cases of violence and intimidation as the country prepares for Pauls, whose debt is yet to be announced, Columbus mavungam for viewing news arare. Bob,
1: You're listening to African News Tonight on The Voice of America. I'm Yehye in Washington. Please note we have moved our programs from voanews.com to voaafrica.com. There you'll find all your favorite VOA radio and TV programs and a whole lot more. Find us on voaafrica.com. The World Health Organization is expected to declare Uganda free of Ebola with no new cases for 42 consecutive days, twice the incubation period for the deadly virus. Darrell Crowden, country director for Medical Teams International, spoke with VOA's Douglas Puga for more about the expected WHO declaration.
6: Uh, feeling feeling very relieved, I guess. I mean today is day forty, so hopefully tomorrow, obviously, yeah, officially uh, the outbreak declared over. that's that's great news. What did your organisation what exactly
7: did you do to mitigate and control the spread of the of Ebola the disease?
6: Yeah medical teams was involved in a number of areas, but uh, primarily out west in the Mabende area. We were involved in everything from original screening of Ebola or suspected Ebola cases. We transported a couple of cases from uh, community to uh, Ebola treatment units and and hospitals. We've been involved in a a great deal of community engagement, awareness raising, um, training in safe burial practices, and support of the government. Uh, structures, both the task forces, as well as the response uh, teams.
7: The Ebola has had uh, devastating effects elsewhere on the continent in Africa. What was different this time in Uganda since it appears uh, it's been a short
6: period to contain the the disease? Well, the the main differences, I guess, were first of all the the variant of the virus, it being the Sudan virus, of course at this stage, or until recently, there has been no vaccine for that. So that was a major difference. But the way in which it was responded to very quickly, I think Uganda has a record, of course, of uh, responding to Ebola. And so they swung pretty quickly into um, lessons learned from previous outbreaks and were able to do some lockdowns in the primary, the, the main area and also raise awareness very quickly so that they they moved into gear very very quickly they restricted movements and and responded very quickly in isolated cases so that that worked very well to to make sure that as you say um the the outbreak was dealt with quickly
7: Uh, uganda is a landlocked country and there had been fears that the disease would spread to the neighboring countries Uh, What lessons have you learned from this uh, uh,
6: exercise? Early um, identification, of course, it has been a a major thing. It's not a new lesson, but it's a reminder. Screening of uh, contacts, uh, follow-up of cases. One of the biggest learnings, I I guess, is is to continue to raise awareness of the uh, impact of Ebola, the, the seriousness of it, because one of the challenges has been around people who have either been contacts or have been in fact um, uh, confirmed cases who have run away from uh, Ebola isolation centres back into the community and as a result have uh, spread the virus and or potentially spread it further. The other one is, is continued awareness raising around burial practices. Some of the customary practices result in potential spreading of the disease. And so reminding people about the importance of taking care of the the dead with dignity and with safety for all involved.
7: You had an issue of having no vaccine for this particular variant of, of the Sudan virus. How far have they gone in developing a vaccine, if at all,
6: there are, um, there, wa- there was a shipment of 1,200 doses of one of the vaccines, the Sabine vaccine in early December. These, uh, these 1,200 doses were pro- provided to the McLaren University, co-sponsored with the Ministry of Health and I believe rolled out throughout the community, the, primarily the, the most affected communities in the West. I'm not aware, though, unfortunately, of any uh, results of that vaccine at this stage, but it is a good sign. It was only 79 days into the the outbreak, which which was great. Within 100 days, we had a, a trial vaccine and, and that's in the community. So we'll be very um, interested to see the results of that.
1: That was Daryl Crowden, Medical Team's International Country Director for Uganda, speaking with VOA's Douglas Impuga from Kampala. South Africa's military says it is investigating allegations that troops from a regional fighting force in Mozambique burned corpses. The French news agency AFP says a clip on social media shows some soldiers hurling a corpse onto a pile of burning rubble containing another body. The video shows a soldier pouring liquid over the bodies as others, including one in a South African uniform, record the scene on their cell phones. The South African National Defense Force says the incident may have happened in November. The troops are part of a regional force sent to help the Mozambican military fight Islamic militants in gas-rich Cabo Delgado province. The AFP says the force is investigating what it calls a despicable act. Nigerian officials say security forces have rescued seven people who gunmen abducted from a train Saturday in the first such attack in southern Edo State. Another 24 passengers are still missing, as Timothy Obiezu reports from Abuja, Nigeria.
5: Edo State Police spokesman Chidi Nwabuzo told VOA Tuesday that the rescued victims include one adult male, two women and four children. He said the abductors left them behind as the armed men fled from security forces.
2: Due to pressure of the operatives who are in the bush for the rescue operation, they seem to drop some certain uh, persons. And that is why the rescue is by bits. And uh, the Deputy Commissioner of Police investigation has moved his office to Igwebe. To further the investigation, while the operatives are still in the forest combing the area.
5: Mwabuza said those rescued were quickly reunited with their families. They were among 31 people abducted Saturday at a train station by gunmen armed with AK 47 assault rifles. Police say some passengers were injured in the attack, but nobody was killed. Nigerian police say they suspect herders in the area were responsible for the attack. State Commissioner for Information Chris Osa Nehikari on Monday said one arrested suspect was helping security forces with rescue efforts. A local community leader told Nigeria's Punch newspaper the abductors demanded about $1.5 million to release the captives. Police spokesman Wabuza could not confirm the alleged ransom demand. A wave of kidnappings for ransom is one of several security challenges facing Nigeria ahead of February elections. Nigeria has for years suffered clashes between herders and farmers and attacks from Islamist militants and separatists. Outgoing President Muhammadu Buhari ahead of his election in 2015 vowed to solve Nigeria's security problems. His government has been widely criticized for failing to stop the violence. Timothy Obizu for Vioe News, Abuja, Nigeria.
1: An Eritrean man accused of involvement in a migrant smuggling network has appeared at a pretrial hearing in the Netherlands, claiming he is a victim of mistaken identity. According to the Associated Press, prosecutors believe he is Toelde de Goitom, who was extradited last year by Ethiopia. He is accused of trafficking migrants from East Africa into Europe. Prosecutors say victims were beaten, tortured, and raped while held in camps in Libya. Their family members in the Netherlands were forced to pay for their voyage in crowded boats, and many did not survive the Mediterranean sea crossing. The court wants to join his case with that of the smuggling network's alleged ringleader, Kidane Zakaria Abtamariam, who was arrested on January 1st in Sudan. Interpol says he is responsible for the kidnapping, extortion, and murder of East African migrants. And that wraps up this edition of African News Tonight. I'm Yehiyas Wuhib in Washington. For all the latest developments on the continent 24-7, visit our website at voaafrica.com. On behalf of our producer, Nicole Beckford, and our engineer, Bob Bass, thanks for choosing the Voice of America.